I'm Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Today, my guest is Erin Bush and Caprera. She is another millennial quilter. She is a thrifty gal who likes to thrift for her quilting fabric and use up her scrap stash. She is a great inspiration for just really getting in there and using your your stash and trying something new. She's got a cool campaign that she did this spring with quilty postcards. I'm sure you could see the fruits of her labor on her Instagram from that and just a cool concept for using up scraps. Otherwise you can just find her in the quilty sphere trying new stuff and sharing her process. So please enjoy Erin. Well hello Erin. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. I've been following you for a little while and love your thrifty stuff and just your fun, scrappy ideas. And so I just thought it'd be fun to have you on and chat about all that fun stuff. But first, let's dive into like how you even got into sewing and quilting and where that all started. Yeah, um, I got into sewing because my husband is a really amazing woodworker and I was super jealous and I wanted to have some kind of hobby that I could make beautiful stuff for our house as well. Cause he was always making like plant stands and he makes beautiful furniture. And I was like, I want to contribute and make something cool. And so I wanted to learn how to sew, but I had no idea what to do. So I started looking at like Pinterest tutorials and um, I learned a lot from the Susie Quilts blog. And then when I went to make my first like large scale um, actual quilt, I did a pattern test for the first time. Mm. Like I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but um, Casey from Wellspring Design Studios, she put out a call for pattern testers and somewhere in there, it said something about, it's okay if you're a beginner. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Hopefully <laughs> that's cool. And it was fine. Um, <laughs> because I, I'm a very hands-on learner and it, I really wanted to know that I could ask someone a question. Mm-hmm. So if I got stuck somewhere, I could ask someone, Hey, how do you do this? And there just weren't a lot of resources like that, that I saw. I didn't know anyone who sewed, no one in my family had a history of sewing. So I started testing people's patterns to learn how to sew. So yeah. a little backwards, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that seems like a good place to do it. Cause like you said, there's a ton of people to ask questions of if you have them and people are kind of answering your questions along the way as they're working through the patterns too. They're like, Oh, watch out for this part. And I'm like, Oh dang, I never would have noticed that. Or like, Oh, I'm so glad they said that. Cause that really affects how I do, you know, what I'm doing right now in the pattern. And so that's kind exactly. of a good idea. <laughs> and well, and it helped me build my community quickly because I didn't know anyone who sewed, but it was a really great way for me to meet other people who did and maybe had more experience than I did. So even if I was working on a different pattern, I could be like, hey, this person really helped me out the last time. Maybe I could reach out to them and they would be able to answer my question on this. Yeah. That was huge. I feel like I would never have been as good as I am so quickly if I hadn't done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
having a community around you who knows what they're doing and can, can guide you through those. Even if you don't know what you're doing, it, it like 10 X is your skill, your skill building because they're around, they can tell you like, Oh, you don't do that or do it this way. And you're like, Oh, sweet. I didn't have to like mess up and then try to figure it out later. It's like, they can catch you right away and help you out in the moment. That's so nice. It's like being in a workshop. Like I always took it like a class, like, okay, this is my class for learning how to do this particular skill. It might be like, we're learning how to do HRTs, for example. Mm -hmm. I learned how to do that in a pattern test. I had no idea how to do it, but it was great because I had the support of seven other people when I did it for the first time, which was huge for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's how I practiced flying geese was testing Katarina's patterns. Like I never had tried in this five, you know, up to that point, five years of quilting that I had been doing, I had never tried any flying geese. And she just happened to do like two two patterns of hers in a row that had flying geese. And I was like, wow, I guess I'm doing this. (laughs) Right. I guess this is my new thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I had a whole bunch of client quilts right around that same time that needed flying geese because they were making, I was making sawtooth stars and I was like, well, I guess this is my life now. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it was like that community of testers plus like other, you know, I had made great connections through that and they all had great tips and tricks on how to like get them to line up nicely and be, you know, square them up really well. And without them, I would have really struggled longer than I did. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing how just making those connections can really improve your sewing skills so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how long ago was that, that you started? I made that quilt in January, 2022. Okay. So not too long ago, not too long ago. So only about a year. Yeah. That's my first full quilt that I made. That's awesome. And I see Rada's quilt behind you. Yes. Yeah. I, I uh, tested that one for her. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of bias triangles in there. So that was a really uh, fun new skill for me. <laughs> yeah. I told her I would test the mini and I haven't gotten to it yet. Cause I've been super busy, but I still want to so bad. And I, I want to put it on the back of one of my denim jackets I've been, that I've been saving for a quilt block. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I just need like 10 minutes of yeah, like I wanna make time to myself. A little one, um, in the scraps that I have from this. Yeah. And a little dog coat is my, oh my gosh. I think it would be so cute. So cute. Oh my gosh. That's such a good idea. Oh, I like that idea. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm excited to try that one. Cause yeah, again, it's got some new stuff in it that I've never tried. So I'm really looking forward to testing it, but, or I guess it's past the point of testing cause it's out, but trying it, <laughs> trying it out. Yeah. I, I really liked working with Rada. I felt like she was awesome to test for cause she was so open to mm-hmm. other people's feedback and comments. It felt like a really collaborative experience. It was really great working with her. Yeah. She seems really fun to work with. And just in our conversation, we, we talked for probably like 15 minutes before we started recording. And then like, when we stopped recording, we talked for another 45 minutes. Like I was like, Oh my God, I have to go. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, she's great, but yeah, 
it's, I just found the world of testing to be so fun and just like a great encouragement to try something that you wouldn't necessarily try on your own. Like at least in my case, I don't know if you felt that way, but. Oh, definitely. Um, I wanted to tackle curves Mm. was my big goal for 2023. I was like, I'm going to learn how to do curves and I'm going to do them well. Mm -hmm. And I did what was it the the brass ring quilt and it is all curves it's like seven curves for each block and I was like <laughs> I'm gonna do it I'm, yeah. I'm gonna make it work and it turned out so good it's one of my favorite quilts and I was amazed by how well like it actually came together and I learned so much mm-hmm. doing that quilt and then back to back doing a couple other quilts that were curves because I use different fabric brands Mm. for them and just learning how things stretch and how things come together and how they iron out when you put them in curves. Yeah. It was so valuable. Like I learned so much about my preferences during that time that I never would have, if I didn't just like make myself go through that. Yeah. Like it's incredible how much the fabric matters when you're doing curves. Oh yeah. Like (laughs) hands down. If you ever asked me what fabric should I use for curves? I will tell you Kona. Like it it looks so much better. Like it doesn't wrinkle as much Mm -hmm. smooth out really nicely. It sews really well. That's what, yeah. If you're new to curves, Kona is what you want to start with. Like that is going to be the easiest thing to start sewing with. Yeah. I literally just finished a quilt. I finished long arming it today, but it's, um, rainbows. And I had to take, I think it's a Megan Collins pattern. Okay. It's yeah. I like big, that. big rainbows. And mm-hmm. but the client, she wanted them shrunken down so that there could be 24 instead of just six. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they're all out of like her daughter's swaddles and crib sheets and like just different fabrics that aren't quilting fabric and with the stabilizer and all that stuff, it made it so hard, but the the outside, like the background, which Mm -hmm. the inside of the rainbow and then the outside was Kona snow. And that was the only fabric that like worked really well. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, I can imagine that would have been so difficult. It was tricky for sure. I've done linen before and that's not too bad. Okay. Swaddles like yeah. Well, because we had to stabilize them. Serious props for that. It was like it honestly, once it's quilt, like once it got quilted up and everything, it's like, okay, this is actually super cute. And it, there were some problem children in the mix, but they actually quilted out fine. Like, I think mm-hmm. there was like one pucker that I just could not avoid. And I was just like, oh, well, like I, I can't do You've anything about it. Yeah. She, she'll <laughs> understand. So anyway, but yeah, it was, it makes a huge difference. And, um, Holly Clark just put out a free um, version of her dot matrix pattern and it's all curves. And so each square is like two quarter circles, mm-hmm. like kind of like, you know, like curve to curve yeah, on, on the opposite corners. And then as you build it, like the, the quarter circles come together to make oh, a full to make circle one, make- and she did a scrappy version. So all the background fabrics are her, like all the low volume prints that she had in her scrap bin. And then all the middles are all the pinks that she had on hand. Mm-hmm. 
It is so stinking cute. I was like, this is the pinkest of pink dreams of all time. Like I love this, but just, and all like a lot of her patterns are curved as well. And Mm -hmm. she just makes it look so easy. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. That was the brass ring quilt that I did that it was the seven curves Mm -hmm. per block. Yeah. Her instructions are so clear and so Mm -hmm. concise that it makes doing curves much less intimidating. Like, yeah. The great pattern to start, not necessarily that one, but one of her patterns would be a great yeah. intro to curves. Yeah. And she puts tons of stuff online too. So it's like, if you're struggling to like visualize it through the directions then just go watch her reels, like she does a million of how to sew curves and like, yeah, yeah watch me sew this curve. And it's like, okay, <laughs> if she can do it, I can do it. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> depending on the curve, it it can be like, you can approach it very differently. Like I found when I was making that quilt in particular, that the bigger curves, it was easier to do like the fold and pin technique. Mm -hmm. But when I was doing like the really tiny, like super tight ones, it was so much easier to do like a free form, just like go for it and hope for the best kind of method. Absolutely. Because otherwise they were so crunched. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that with the rainbows too, since I had to scrunch the like I, I had to make my own template mm-hmm. and the tight inner corner or inner curves were just so much more difficult than the outer ones. Yeah. And so I just like the problem children ones were the ones where I was trying to like do the fold and pin method. And I was like, this isn't working. And I just said to heck with pins and I just went for it. And then the rest of the blocks came out so much better. So yeah, it's kind of like, whatever. <laughs> Do yeah, what you it's nerve wracking to do it, but once you're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. Well, like you said, the fabric matters too, because like sometimes it's better to pin it because it needs to stay in place, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. better to just free form it because you have to scooch it a lot more or do a lot more like maneuvering of it. So it's mm-hmm. like you just gotta know the fabric and how it's gonna interact and. You just never know. But yeah, Kona, I agree with you. And then I did have to do curves with art gallery, which was my very first curve sewing expedition. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love art gallery, that was tricky. Yeah. It's tough with curves because mm-hmm. like this quote behind me, this is made with art gallery fabrics. And it's like, I love how it turned out, but I made a few with art gallery that were curves. And I just feel like it stretched because it's thinner mm-hmm. and silkier. I feel like it stretches a little bit more mm-hmm. and it gets kind of out of whack a lot yeah. faster. Mm-hmm. And that can be really challenging if you're, especially if you're somebody who's just learning yeah. and your stuff is going to be a little out of whack already. Yeah. Like it, it gives a little bit more than you need to yeah. try to work with to like correct against. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's one of those things too. You got to like live and learn. You have to just figure it out. Exactly. You just got to find, find your way. Just try a bunch of things. Eventually get there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what I guess, cause I, you know, see all your kind of thrifty and scrappy kind of Mm -hmm. ideas. And so what led you to that avenue of quilting versus you know, the other avenues of buying everything brand new, like some yeah. folks like to do. <laughs> um, I mean, part of it is probably my upbringing. I 
was raised by my mom and my grandpa. And my grandpa was an extremely thrifty person. Like Mm. if he would, I mean, to the point that sometimes it was a little ridiculous. I'll be honest. (laughs) We didn't have trash service. He would recycle everything he possibly could. Um, and then burn the rest in our wood burner, for example. But he taught me a lot about using what you have and being able to make something from what you have. And I was so surprised that instead of growing up and being kind of like, that's what I grew up with and I want to change and I you know, don't want to see the value in that. I actually really embraced it as I got older. I was like, I, you know, I think it's really kind of a fun challenge. And then when I started sewing, I was really surprised by how expensive fabric was and I wasn't very good. So I was afraid that I was going to buy a lot of fabric and then I was going to mess it all up and I would end up with like a hundred dollar mess on my hands. Mm-hmm. And I loved thrifting. So I would just go to the thrift store and see what I could come up with and you know, if I cut it up and it was all terrible, it cost me $5. So I didn't even care. And it gave me like the license and the freedom to just learn, I feel like. And so from there, after I actually learned and felt like, okay, I've got a handle on this. It was a really fun challenge. Like I loved going to the thrift store and finding something and being like, okay, but what can I make with this? And putting all these things together and then um, just having like a found color palette rather than a chosen color palette. Mm -hmm. And since I did that so much, I almost found it really difficult to reverse engineer the process (laughs) and actually like pick my own palette. So I broke my foot and I had to have foot surgery in November. So I couldn't actually go out and buy anything. I had to actually buy fabric online for the first time, which I've never done before. Oh, wow. Um, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. It was so difficult. And I ended up with such weird mixes of things because Mm -hmm. when you're in the store, you can actually like pick everything up and see, like, do the tones really come together? Like, how does this actually pair? But when you're looking at it online, like depending on how they have it presented, like it might look more purple than it really is or more yellow than it really is. And Mm-hmm. When it comes to your house, you're like, oh God, what did I just pick? Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, it, it can be yeah. dicey. <laughs> it can be real dicey. Like the first time that I ever picked fabric out, um, I was testing a pattern and I had gotten a deal with a fabric shop where if we use that fabric shop, we got a discount. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to buy fabric online for the first time. And I was so nervous. So I bought like twice as much fabric as I needed because I was afraid I was going to cut into it and I was going to not have enough. And then how would I ever get more? Yeah. I could just buy more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and then I bought a few extra colors because I was afraid that once they came, none of them would actually match up together. And, and they didn't, you know, I did have, because I really like kind of like retro seventies colors Mm -hmm. and I picked like rusty oranges and yellows and browns. And I definitely put it all together and put it out and was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make like a poop and pee. <laughs> well, here, like, this is not pleasing. I don't know if that's what I was going for. <laughs> You're 
like, wow, okay. Yeah, like, okay, well, there, there's some some lessons to be learned here. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. Oh my gosh, that's so funny though. You're like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier for me to have a bunch of things and then mix them together and see how they look than to just choose them. It's so mm-hmm. intimidating to do that. So I feel like part of that is my, my motivation behind thrifting. Cause then I have at least something to start with. Yeah. Somewhere to go. <laughs> yeah. We're like, okay, here are the colors I need. Not just like, I hope this works. Right. Like I have like, oh, I have this blue and I have this yellow. What's going to go with this blue and this yellow? Okay. I can buy two more, three more colors that are going to go with this, but starting from scratch, like Mm -hmm. that's one of the hardest things in quilting. I feel like. Yeah. It can be so tricky. (laughs) And like, I just bought all the fabric for my youngest, um, his graduation quilt and he wanted all solids and purples and cream. And I was like, um, okay. (laughs) So, uh, I did go with all art gallery solids. Um, and they had a pretty good selection, but like, again, there nowhere here in town sells it. Mm -mm. And so I had to buy online and I had to buy from a couple different shops because not everybody had like the, all of the colors I wanted. And so I was like trying to go back and forth like 65 times to make sure that like I had everything and that I picked the right ones that weren't too pink or weren't too, you know, it's like, uh, and they all just arrived literally right before I got on here. <laughs> so I like opened it up really quick and like pulled them all out. And I was like, okay, okay. We're good. It's good. We're good. <laughs> I'm glad it turned out. (laughs) I'm like, I don't have that much time. And if I have to reorder stuff, like I have, you know, mere weeks versus, you know, months, which I've anyway, I procrastinated big whoop. (laughs) We all do. I feel like I work best under pressure sometimes. So sometimes, you know, you put it off for a while and then you're like, okay, now I've really got the motivation. Like, yeah, really dig into this. Otherwise I could just be over here, like haphazardly binding something for three months. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, puts a fire <laughs> under my ass to like get it done. I'm like binding the night uh, night before I need to like give it. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> he's binding not- in the car on the way there. Like we'll get there. Yeah. Well, and he's not leaving until August, but like I just want to be able to give it to him at his party, you know? So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to figure this out. But anyway, so it came, it's all good. But yeah, it was like, it took me hours just to like go source all the different purples in, you know, the pure solids line and just figure out which ones I wanted and which ones were going to go together and meet his aesthetic. And cause literally he just said purples and cream. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's scary. It, it's yeah. And I feel like I also have a lot of anxiety around like making the wrong choice, mm-hmm. which I mean, it's a quilt. Can it be a really wrong choice? No. Unless but, it looks like poop and pee. <laughs> yeah. Unless it looks like poop and pee. Like that What I didn't make it look like poop and pee. Okay, I took good. out, so I mixed it. I made it. I corrected it. <laughs> I think it looks okay. Okay, good. <laughs> I guess time will tell. If anyone yeah. thinks it looks like poop and pee, they can tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I haven't seen anything like that. So (laughs) I think you're good. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think, I think it turned out all right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the hardest things. I feel like it's one of the hardest steps of quilting for me personally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if I can't get everything in like one line of fabric, that's when I really struggle because I'm like, oh, it's all from the same line. It's going to match. It won't matter. So I like, if I am buying fabric, I try to do that if I can, but you know, that's not always the case. Like, yeah. So I think over time it gets a little easier just as far as like, just knowing kind of like, okay, I know that this line of blenders is going to lend really well to this kind of pattern or just like you know, give it a certain kind of feel. And so you can kind of start there and then build off of that. But like, man, yeah, I'm with you. Like for my own quilts, it gives me so much anxiety. Cause I'm like, what if I hate it? What if I don't make it good enough? Or, you know, I'm like, what if I waste all this fabric again? Cause it's expensive and hasn't stopped me from buying so much freaking fabric, but it's, but then it just sits. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> That's how I feel about prints. I'm so intimidated by prints. Mm. I could do salads all day, but give me a print. And I, I'm going to be terrified of that thing for some reason. Like I'm afraid I'm going to make it look so busy. And, but some people make the most beautiful quilts with prints and it blows my mind. Like my friend Emily, I, you interviewed her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a few weeks ago um, from Peach and Honey Studio. She makes the most beautiful quilts with prints, and I have no idea how she does it. Like it just blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> how you can figure out how to blend all of that without making it look like a just busy mess. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky if I can work in one print. Like that's <laughs> wild for me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that can be another 2023 challenge to yeah. There we go. There's another challenge, and you can do low volume. Like it doesn't have to be crazy. You know, you can start slow and yeah, try to incorporate a low volume print into something because then it won't be overwhelming if it's if there's true. You know, a bunch of it. I love like tone on tone or just like you know near tone on tone if it's like you know, tan on white or gray on white, or oh, I just love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Even a print on the back of my quilt would be like a good step for me. Yeah. <laughs> start there. <laughs> yeah. There's like, honestly, there's nothing better to me than like a quilt that is solids on the front. And then like just a hardcore print on the back, just like crazy, bright, fun. It's so good. I always love that. So when people reveal that I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it just do you have any big 2023 goals that you're working on big projects so many because I don't know how to say no but um I am doing a lot of things probably but I did tell um <laughs> I did tell Lonnie that I would make a pair of pants. So I have the pattern. I have the fabric. My mom knows how to sew garments really well. Cause that's like where she started sewing. And so she said she'd help me by making her own pair along with me. Um, trying to think I did just tell Katerina that I test her next quilt 
not the one that is happening at the moment because of the wedding and stuff, but mm-hmm. I'll do the next one. So that's one that's coming up. I'm like trying to think of what else I've agreed to. Cause I've, oh, Rada's quilt, mini quilt. I don't know. I'm sure there's something else, but I don't know. I think with a business, like quilting for other people is like my constant. And so finding mm-hmm. time to make stuff for myself is tricky and I don't really have a sewing space at my own house. And so just to do any sewing, real sewing, I have to go to my parents' house and that's where I work. So it's kind of hard to feel yeah. like I can sew for myself and not be working when I'm there. And I totally could. It's just <laughs> one of those I can see things. how that would be difficult. Yeah. So I I definitely have stuff in mind that I want to do and um, because I've been focused on quilting and learning to, to make different types of quilts and stuff for the last six years, I think branching into other things like some clothing items or bags, like, oh yeah, I said, I, I told Lonnie, I'd also make her BFF, um, bag, best fucking fanny. That's what oh, yeah. BFF stands for. Um, I love that name. <laughs> yeah. And so I got that pattern. So I have the pattern and I want to use um, I want to use like leftovers from my pants fabric in that, mm-hmm. um, and just some, I'm going to make it scrappy. Cause I've got so much scrap that it would be perfect or that would be perfect for that. So I'm going to do that, but I don't know. I'm just winging it over here. <laughs> I hear that. Trying to stay away from half square triangles because that's like, what was my go-to jam for every quilt I ever made for the first two and a half years. So uh, it's branching out a bit. (laughs) Yeah. But like, like, you know, we were saying the testing that I was doing pushed me to try things I had never tried before. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm looking at other patterns for my own quilts to go, okay, what do I want to make now? And what, you know, what do I want displayed in my home and trying to choose more carefully the fabrics that I use so that they go in my house a little better. Cause right now it's, they're a hot mess (laughs) (laughs) over the color spectrum. So I get that. It's hard because I find, especially living in Michigan in the middle of winter, I don't want to make some, like my house is pretty like green and lots of, you know, wood tones Mm -hmm. and a little more neutral. And I appreciate that because it's calming, but I don't necessarily want to make a quilt like that in the middle of winter. Like it is just desolate looking outside and I want happy, fun, bright colors, Yes, which looks super weird in my house, Yeah, but there's, I still enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, yeah. And I'm like you, I, this green wall behind me is the same green that's in my living room because I love green. I love green. Um, and I've got pops of chartreuse and different things and we, you know, neutrals and gray and just kind of, yeah, very kind of calming and neutral background, but like I, the Christmas quilt I just made for this last Christmas was with the art gallery. Um, what's the line for Christmas in the city. And there's lots of hot pinks and like different Mm -hmm. fun colors. And, um, and then I used hot pink frosted minky on the back and (laughs) pink thread to quilt it. And, um, so that's, 
fun. It has the greens in it. So I was kind of like, well, it works. And the one that I was hanging on the wall for display was the um, Lella Boutique Christmas morning from like two or three years ago, Mm -hmm. two years ago. And so that's the one that hangs and that, that kind of matches, you know, it's got the pops of red for Christmas, but the greens go really well with, with my house. And I'm like, oh, all my quilts are so crazy different. Like, uh, I don't know, but that's just kind of how I am too. Like, yeah, there's an eclecticness to my home. So it doesn't really it doesn't stand out in a way that makes it go, why would that go in? Like, why do you have that in here? It's just kind of like, no, everything's so different. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's part of the reason that I really like thrifting fabric. Cause I like those more vintage prints as well. I feel like they go a little bit more in my home because mm-hmm. I like older style furniture. Like the, you can't see it, but the desk that I'm sitting at right now is this huge old banker's desk. Oh, that I, I found it at a thrift store and I love it. It it even has like weird, um, like you have to pull out certain drawers so that certain drawers will unlock kind of, yeah. I don't know. It, it's like being a little kid. Like you get something like, just, it's just a little fun. Yeah. Um, and I love that kind of stuff because it's unique and a little bit more interesting, but so much of that is what my house looks like. And it's, you know, I've got like a bunch of weird brass animals and plants and, mm-hmm. you know, old furniture and it would look strange if I had like super modern mm-hmm. super modern looking fabric all the time so I don't know it kind of blends in with my house more it's another reason that I really enjoy finding the older fabric plus yeah. I mean you can give it a new life like it was obviously somebody's they they probably passed away more than likely or mm-hmm. you know their their kids donated it and I I like being able to take somebody's somebody's craft that they loved mm-hmm. and repurpose it and give it a new life. Like I, I feel like that's honoring like them and their craft. And I like yeah. that. Yeah. Not just letting it sit there and go to waste or, you know, I'm sure someone else would have picked it up at some point, but like, you know, just knowing that you can take it and repurpose it and let it live a little longer is kind of, I like that idea. Cause yeah. It's like, I can't imagine how many quilts just go in the trash because people don't want to do with them or they get, you know, wear and tear because they're old. And instead of, you know, trying to find somebody who can help fix it, they just toss them. And it's like, no, don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's people who can do something with it or help you fix it, but don't throw it away. Like that's your grandma's legacy or, you know, well, especially, you know, actually, you know, learning how to do it yourself, you know, how much work went into that. So Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah be rolling over in her grave she knew that you threw that away like <laughs> right right especially how much hand piecing was done you know back in the day like it's not as quick as just throwing it through a machine and letting the no. machine do the sewing it's like oh we've you know so many times done or long-armed you know somebody's grandma's vintage, you know, my great grandma and then my grandma. And now my mom, you know, it's like, everybody's worked on it and it's all hand sewn. And they're like, I don't want it to go to waste. And so it might not be the straightest, flattest thing in the whole world, but once it's quilted up and washed with back, you know, it's like, once it's done and you can use it, it's like, okay, here you go. Like, you don't have to hide this in the closet anymore for fear of it falling apart. Like mm-hmm. just giving it that new 
breath of life is it feels so satisfying because you're like, okay, I know someone put so much love and time into this and I would hate to see it just like get moth holes in the, in the cabinet, you know, that's so nice that you're able to do that and that people, you know, entrust you with that service. Cause that's, that's such a nerve wracking thing. To, it is I'm sure to give over something like that. And yeah. Hope that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it feels like such an honor when people do entrust us with that. Cause then it's like, okay, it kind of pushes us to want to like go the extra mile just to make sure it's like that much more perfect. And, you know, mm-hmm my mom and I both have a very strong, like, I don't know if it's a work ethic. I don't know what to call it, but just that like anything that goes out the door to a client, like we want to know that we did our very best on it because that's our, that's our name. That's our reputation. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cut corners and be lazy just because I want to, because then if someone has a complaint about it, like I have nothing to say, except like, Oh, I just didn't feel like doing my best. Like no way (laughs) I could never live with myself. So I think on those, it just makes it like, okay, now we have to do extra to make sure that this works out. And, you know, it's valuable to us that those people have their quilts. And so anyway, it's, I love the idea and, you know, just helping people restore something that is so meaningful to them so that it's can live another generation and be continue to be passed through the family. It's like my, you know, I don't know. I think some people get the wrong impression by the name of the show, not your granny's quilt show, but like it is in literal, no disrespect to where quilting came from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the mindset, right? So like, anyway, yeah, it's just, I just, it's admirable to me, the people like you who go and thrift those things and find them and give them new purpose and new life. And it's really, it's really cool and meaningful. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for oh, being well, one of the you. ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a really nice way to basically give a modern spin to the tradition of quilting because yeah. traditionally quilting was just taking what you had and making your quilt out of it, you know, making something more purposeful out of something that had lost its purpose. Yeah. And I guess that's what I like to think about the fabric that I find and kind of lost its purpose. It's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Nobody really wants it. If I can take it and make it into something that is more than it is right now, then well, I've certainly done my job. I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's good to be said too, for not just like keeping it as a quilt, but for people who thrift things and turn them into other stuff like pillows or coats or bags, Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe it was beyond repair as a quilt. And so taking what's usable from it and turning it into something that can allow it to continue to exist. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. I know some people get all hot and bothered by it, but I just, I think if there's any attempt to keep these things out in circulation and alive, I think that's, you know, that's admirable. It's just as important as the quilt itself. So certainly, I mean, we don't have infinite resources at the end of the day. So if you can take what's already there Mm -hmm. and make it into something that is functional again, why not? Yeah. 
yeah, for sure. Like, I like the idea of that. And uh, even, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was, I don't know, somebody I interviewed recently. <laughs> like, I can't remember anymore. But she was like, you know, even that quote behind you, if you end up hating it, Cause I was talking about how like the seams are popping in some areas because it was like the second quilt I ever made. Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> and I didn't really want to follow the rules of quarter inch seam allowance. And so there's just little spots where I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. Way to go, Amanda. Um, but they're like, Oh, you could just turn it into a quilt coat. And I was like, I could, but I don't want to cut it up. <laughs> Maybe I think it day. would be really hard to do that. I made one quilt coat before, but I intentionally made it into a quilt coat. Like right. yeah. I made a pillow pattern, which was the back of my jacket. And then, um, you know, made the jacket from there, from all of my scraps from a bigger quilt that I had. Yeah. I don't know if I could have just taken that big quilt that I just pieced together and cut it all. <laughs> I don't yeah. And I know people do it and then like more power to you. If you have that vision for like, you know what, this would be better as a garment, like yeah. and do that. But I'm just not in that space yet. And I still really love this quilt, even though it's fucked up in places. Like I wrote in it, like in the border things like welcome to the jungle. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it was when I was still new to long arming. And so I think for me, it still has like nostalgic value. And so maybe one day it could be something cool like that, but right now I'm still happy with it as a quilt. So it's kind of like, but yeah, like if it's an older quilt, that's not yours. Like maybe it's easier to cut that up than to hang right. on to it. Cause you're not like, I made that with my bare hands. <laughs> yeah. You're not thinking all the work that went into making yeah. it. And then being like, oh, now I have to undo it. But then I have to do more work. That sounds like a lot. I'm not sure I'm committed to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I do. I do have fabric though. Cause again, I do want a quilt coat, but um, my mom and I both have fabric set aside that we want to use to make quilt coats. And we have like the pattern template and everything. And so we know what to do. We, we like, we've got what we need. We just have, again, time. Like we just need to take a week off for ourselves sometimes. Like we're our own bosses. We can take vacation whenever we want. Exactly. But it's hard to remember because it's like, I think she and I both like to take little bits here and there. It's like, you know, I'll take a day or two off in a week and then work a few more weeks and then take a day off and, you know, just kind of spread out the time instead of big chunks. But <laughs> I know it's it's, it's a weird balance, but it's yeah, fun. Definitely. So, um, so, okay. So then I saw your scrappy postcards. So I want to hear more about this. Okay. So tell me, tell me. Um, I have tons of scraps, just like every other quilter, tons and tons of scraps. And then, um, I actually, when I first started sewing, I didn't originally want to quilt. I wanted to make garments and I wanted to make bags, but I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to make a bag for the first time. And I had to buy interfacing, which I, mm -hmm. the only thing I knew about interfacing is that it made things stiff. Mm -hmm. So I went to Joanne's and I picked out the stiffest interfacing I could possibly <laughs> find. Cause I didn't understand at all how this worked. Yeah. 
And it was, I mean, it was hard, like rock hard. <laughs> and it's been sitting in my stash forever because I made this bag out of it. And this bag, like, I mean, it certainly stood at attention. Like it was <laughs> something. And um, <laughs> so the rest of it's just sitting in my stash for a long time. I've been trying to figure out what am I going to do with this? And I saw around the holidays, um, Susie Quilts had like a quilted postcard tutorial. And I was like, oh, that'll be really fun. I really wanted to learn how to make improv curves. And I wanted to do something where basically I could tackle a small project. And if I hated it, I could throw it away and I, I wouldn't even worry about it. Right. So I had all these um, scraps left over from my brass ring quilt. And I just started like cutting them up and learning how to piece them together. And eventually I got them to be like, you know, like a little tiny block. And I was like, well, okay, what am I going to do with this now? Like, I don't want like a weird improv pillow. I'm like, oh, but I do have that interfacing that I've never done anything with. I could probably make a postcard. So I embroidered on it to, you know, make it even more fun. And, and then I made one and I showed it to my friend, Alexis. And I was like, Hey, what do you think of this? This is pretty cool. And she's like, you know, what'd be really fun is if we like did an exchange with them. And I was like, Oh, that would be a lot of fun. Like, let me make some more. And she made some, and we kind of figured out like what our, you know, best practices for making them. Like, I mean, there's no perfect way to make a postcard. You're just basically sewing some scraps together and you're going to fuse it onto some interfacing and call it a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> It, you know, it's a fun way to use up your scraps in a way that, because everyone has those super tiny little scraps that you're like, I can't make a block out of this. I can't, like, what, what am I going to do? Like a coaster? Like, <laughs> you know, you just want to throw them away, but then you feel like, oh, that's too wasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a handful of them and then uh, we, you know, we're like, hey, would anybody else be interested in doing this? So then I set up this exchange and it's been fun so far. I've never, I've never organized anything like this before. I had no idea like where to start other than I've participated in exchanges before. So I kind of used that model and I had a lot more like international interests than I was expecting. Um, If I, I mean, not a ton, but like more, you know, more questions than I was expecting. And I was like, oh man, I really should have learned more about how mail works outside of the U.S. before I did it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that'd be my advice if anyone wanted to do something similar. You know, yeah. learn about how mail works around the world. It's, yeah, it's different. It's definitely different because I was like, okay, well, I want to keep it to U.S. because I don't know how customs is going to work in other countries. And yeah. I've sent things to Canada, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, even going to like the U.K., I have no idea what that process looks like. So I couldn't guide anyone through it. And since I was hosting it, I wanted to be able to answer questions. It's been a really fun learning process though, so far. Um, It closes on the 15th of April is when the signup closes and we're going to send them out by the 22nd because it's an Earth Day celebration thing, kind of encourage you to use up your scraps. Um, But it's been fun so far. And I've, uh, you know, it's good, good participation so far. So I'm excited about that. I was a little nervous. It was just going to be, you know, me and my postcards by myself. So <laughs> you're like anybody, anybody. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's um, so nerve wracking when you, 
you know, you put yourself out there and Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in my idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a business. I'm just, you know, I'm just a quilter. I'm just a lady hoping people are interested in my quilts and want to chat with me. So yeah, you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. That's kind of fun though. And I think too, like as a business, sometimes those things are really pressury because it's like, you have more than just like, if, if it's just you as your own self, it's like, probably people will have more grace for any hiccups. But I think as a business, people are like, you should know better. I'm like, I'm still just a girl. Like, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's still just a person behind every business. So yeah, exactly. it's better to give everyone a little grace and just, yeah, for sure. Expect that's, that they're trying to do their best. Yeah, for sure. That's so fun. And like, yeah. What a fun way for people to kind of dig into their scraps and try to make something fun and creative to surprise, you know, other people and just share that. Yeah. And it's, and it's a fun way to meet other people because I know some of the challenges that I had when I first started quilting was that I didn't know anybody. Yeah. Like you don't know anybody. And a lot of people connect with other people on Instagram and that's great, but if you're a really small account and you don't have anyone to connect with, it can be really hard to break into that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why I started pattern testing was to try to connect with people and meet people. But I also know that that's, that's a pretty bold move to make. That's not <laughs> something that everyone's going to necessarily feel comfortable with. Yeah. And, um, Emily and I from, Peach and Honey Studio, mm-hmm. we got to chatting a lot about this because we really connected over the fact that it was really difficult for both of us to find like our community, our people yeah. when we first started quilting. Like we'd reach out to different Facebook groups and not really get our answers. We didn't feel comfortable in the local guilds, mm-hmm. didn't really find our place. Um, so I've been doing a little less quilting lately because I've actually been working behind the scenes with her so that we can, uh, we're working on a, um, we're calling a society for quilters, um, just like a free group that we are putting together where kind of an intimate community to chat with other quilters, meet new people and get your questions answered. Cause we didn't have anyone to ask any questions of when we first started quilting. And when you go to some of these bigger groups or you try to put them on Instagram and you are very new, sometimes you just get crickets, like nobody mm-hmm. actually gets back to you. So if you yeah. can create a smaller community where people actually have just a handful or, you know, 50 or less people to actually chat with, mm-hmm. probably going to get your questions answered. And yeah. That's, do. that's so cool. Yeah. So we're hoping to launch that in May. So, um, it's been a, been a little bit of a big undertaking, but I'm excited. And, uh, this postcard, you know, project that I had was a really good introduction to how to organize something. So I, I appreciated baby stepping myself there. <laughs> yeah. Little, little kind of behind the scenes steps to help you get to your larger goal. And I think that's so cool. And like, I just was so lucky to have a, a built-in community of quilty. My besties are quilters and my mom, and you know, I had that already. And so for people who don't have that, I just, I feel so sad because it has literally saved my life (laughs) so many times in quilting, but yeah, it's like, and like, I honestly hope that 
like, that's a goal I'm having here too, is to like create a space where that community can be built and like, hope I can be a shoulder for somebody to lean on or, you know, lend an ear. If somebody's like, I, can I work through this quilt with you? Like, heck yeah. And that's what I'm here for. Like, I want that. And so I love that you guys are trying to do that and create a, a smaller scale situation. Cause I think too, yeah, like some of the, some of the groups online can get so big and like, yeah, your questions don't get answered. Like I sometimes take it upon myself to go in and just like scroll through and see if questions are asked and see if anybody actually answered the question and like, Mm try to figure that out because I'm like, this person's really just looking for help. Like, don't be like, well, when I did that, like I had all this, it's like, that's not what they asked. They asked for help, not for you to relay your struggles to them as well. Like, like, oh, I had the same problem. It's like, and did you fix it? Like, did you solve it? Answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) Like who helped you or what resources did you use or how did you get to the end result? Because sometimes you can just be like, and here's a pretty picture and that's all I've got to bring. Yeah. And like you said, it's, you know, the, not everybody's going to jump into just being a quilt, a pattern tester. And I don't think there's enough patterns out there for everyone to test to just no. get their get <laughs> build their skills and ask their questions but you know it is a cool space for that but yeah it's like if you aren't interested in testing or it feels overwhelming it's like it's nice to know that more people are out there trying to create spaces for where more people can feel welcomed and and get their stinking questions answered <laughs> exactly cuz so. yeah i mean part of the reason that I really, so I started quilting because I wanted to make fun things for my home. It was kind of a lighthearted, I I just needed a hobby kind of thing. But then it, it really became like very therapeutic for me because when I first really started quilting, right before I made my first big quilt, I had some of the biggest losses that I've had, um, in my adulthood. I, I lost my dog. I lost my grandpa. And I didn't know what to do with myself. Like it was definitely that time where you just, you feel frozen Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily know how to talk to anyone. You don't know what to tell anybody and you just need to be by yourself to process it, but you don't know how to process it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was so therapeutic for me to just come up into this room and put my focus into something. And if I wanted to just sit there and like sob while I did it, I could do it. Mm-hmm. And it was just for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Cause it is, it's like, you can sew through your heartbreak and you can, you can, I always say you can cry and, and still do the hard thing. Like <laughs> people are like, Oh, cry. Don't cry. I'm like, no, yeah. Cry, get it out. Like your body needs yeah. that release. And it's fine. Like people who shame people for crying drive me crazy because it's a natural human reaction to emotion and like, it's fine. It's good. Let it happen. Like, Mm -hmm. and yes, like sob and so let's (laughs) like, yeah. And I, I started quilting right around the time my grandma passed away. And so it was just, yeah, something so nice to be able to dive into and channel some of that grief and you know, like I said, with the community of my, my besties were there too. So it's like, we could 
I could just say, I need a sewing day. Like I just need my people around me. And even if I just kind of sat there at my machine and didn't really sew, it just (laughs) felt good. Like being in the same room and like, or even just sewing for myself. Yeah. Like you said, it's like, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this to process what I'm going through and just let it out instead of trying to find the words to say this really fucking sucks. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm hurting and that's it. Sometimes that's all, you know? Yeah. So, and it's also nice to have something like beautiful come out of that. Exactly. That's very therapeutic as well Mm -hmm. to be, you know, having some of the ugliest moments of your life. And then at the end of the day, you're like, you can physically see what came out of that. Like, yeah, that was remarkably therapeutic for me. I I had not expected that. And it's probably why I stuck with it because I've definitely been like a hobby hopper before then, but there was something that really stuck with me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And I'm so sorry that you experienced that loss. Like that's so hard. I'm glad it stuck. Yeah. Your me too. <laughs> projects are gorgeous. You're great at quilting. So thank you. I really <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And I think it gives other people like hope, like you, you know, you don't necessarily have to be alone and you, you can do something with that, that energy to, mm-hmm to get work through it. And, you know, we're, we're here for you too. So (laughs) there's others of us who've used it as therapy and, and it works. It helps. It definitely does. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it it also has helped me um, become more of a, or I guess not more, less of a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I have a very type A personality and I want everything to be perfect. And that was something that I really had to put to the wayside when I started quilting and learn that not everything's going to turn out the way that I hoped it would. And not everything's going to line up exactly how I want it to. Mm-hmm. Or for example, the quilt that's behind me that I made, I sewed it all together incorrectly. Like all the rows uh-huh. mixed up. <gasps> And I didn't even notice it until I took it out and I did this like really nice quilts in the wild photo shoot. And I was so proud of it. And I'm like editing the pictures and I'm like, nope, You're like, <laughs> the whole thing is sewn backwards. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. You're like, well, here's one way to do it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it still made a quilt. <laughs> Yeah. Luckily Rada was very uh, gracious with me about it. And she was like, I love it. It shows the different way that you can put it together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, kind of at the end of the day, like people put out patterns, which is great. And that's their vision. But then, you know, even if it's a mistake differences in that quilt, just like personalize it even further to, to the person who's making it. And I think, you know, from what I can tell from pattern writers that I've talked to, they love seeing that because, you know, they're gifting you their creativity, but then taking it further, doing something different with it, just like shows that there is so much more creativity out there and like giving people a jumping off point for their own creativity to grow. Like, I love that. And, you know, I feel like growth-minded people can accept that and be like, Oh my God, yes. Thank you so much for doing that. Like it might've been a mistake on your part, but you know, it just shows, yeah, there's more ways to do this than just what I wrote on paper. Exactly. And that's something that I also really like about 
like using scraps or using thrifted fabric. Cause you never have, like when you thrift fabric, you don't necessarily get to choose what quantity you get. Like you might get a bunch, you might get a little, you might get, you know, a bunch, but it's all 12 inches and a big weird line. Like you don't know yeah. what you're going to get. So the nice thing about just using your pattern as guideline instead is you can kind of pick and choose and say, okay, it doesn't, just because fabric A is supposed to be blue, maybe I can just pick a couple of these elements mm -hmm. that I'm going to use for that. And then those are fabric A, but then I use a different fabric for the other parts that are supposed to be fabric A or something. And it completely yeah. changes the look of the quilt mm -hmm. and makes it very you. Yeah. Yeah. And uses your stash. <laughs> exactly. And you use up scraps, which is great. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. And I mean, it is, it does look kind of tricky. So I think that's why I'm kind of like, oh, like the picking the fabric part is what's stressing <laughs> me out about it, even though it's an, I know it's not that big of a deal, but again, it's, it's the choosing fabric that I'm like, oh my yes. God. but here's what I'm thinking is that I'm realizing that there will be quite a bit left over from my son's graduation quilt. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll just make it with that. Cause it's all different shades of purple and cream and yeah. black. And I'm like, hmm, I might just have set myself up nicely for that. So we'll there have to go. find out. <laughs> we'll see. But anyway, yeah, that'd be super cool to try, like, just try setting it up differently just for fun to see how it turns out. And, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, if you're stashing it, then like, yeah, if something's supposed to be blue, like, okay, well, what kinds of blues do I have? And can they all go together? And can they fill in what I need? And it doesn't have to just be the one same fabric. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as you are consistent with like where you're placing it and, you know, the color scheme that you're choosing, like it will still have maybe the original intention of the effect, but it will still look different. It'll still have a, a different personality than than the original, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Cause and sometimes you can even take a, like one fabric that you have a bunch of and you can use it for two of the, like you use it for like B and C and it will completely change the shape mm -hmm. of something. And that yeah. really makes a really cool visual effect too. So there's yeah. a lot you can do. I mean, if you use quilt ink and you can play around with the colors, it's a really, uh, like low stakes way to try it out. You don't have to cut into anything. If yeah. it's not quilt ink, you can try, um, there's a free app called recolor. I don't know if mm. you've used that before. Mm -hmm. It's like an adult coloring page app. What? I'm writing this down right now. So <laughs> don't mind me. Yeah. I feel like this recolor. is like probably my best trick for using thrifted fabric or scrap fabric. Okay. Would be download recolor. It's a free adult coloring page app. Okay. And what you can do is you can take like, you know, in a, in a pattern where it's got the coloring page at the very end, mm -hmm. take a screenshot of it and you can upload it into this app. <gasps> and then, I mean, it's not going to give you like the colors, like you're not going to be like, it's Kona pickle or whatever, right. but, you, but can get close. you can say it, it's a neon green and you can, you know, drop it here and there. And it really helps you to visualize what it's going to look like, oh. especially if you have a bunch of random stuff where you're trying to use scraps. Yeah. Oh, genius. I'm so excited right now because 
that is one thing like I know pattern designers have their software that they use and so they can pull in fabrics and mock up different samples like mm -hmm. uh Erica at kitchen table quilting does it all the time for her patterns like she'll people will say I want to see it in this pattern or in this fabric line and then she'll mock it up and she shares all those and I'm like yeah that's cool but I'm not like a pattern designer like I don't really have that kind of thing so this is gonna change my life and I'm so excited <laughs> because it is it's like I don't want to sit here and try to color in like physically color a coloring mm -hmm. page like, I don't always have the time to just like sit there and do that but if I could just like drag and drop colors into spaces and like figure it out really quick oh oh my gosh I'm so excited okay that's so it's cool yeah <laughs> oh. I love when I learn new stuff this is, makes me so happy <laughs> And a handy tip for all of our listeners because they can do it too. Exactly. <laughs> I love, I love good tips. So, um, and that actually leads me to my next question, which is, do you have like a tried and true tip or trick that besides the app that, um, you just swear by and can't quilt without? Um, I recently learned how to hack myself a block lock ruler out of a standard, um, like a square ruler with painter's yeah. tape. And that was a game changer for me because I am terrible at HSTs. I They're can't hard. trim them. They're always uneven. And I need one of those block lock rulers in order to get it to consistently be the right size and not all wonky. But the idea of buying a specialty ruler every time I needed to make an HST was way too daunting. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to explain. I do have a reel on my, uh, on my Instagram that okay. shows you how to do it, but basically you're going to take your, your square ruler and then, um, mark off the size that it needs to be. So I have like a four and a half inch square ruler and say, if I needed three and a half inch, I would block off the three and a half inch. So it's just that viewing area. And then, uh, you make the diagonal and you do it a couple of times that you build up a ridge, just like you would with the block block ruler. And mm -hmm. then you can slot it right into there and trim around and. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I will, I'll go grab the link from your reel and I'll put mm -hmm. it into the show notes so people can get directly to it. Okay. There you go. Um, yeah. That gives you the visuals rather than all my, you know, yeah. hand motions here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like the visual will probably be helpful, but <laughs> yeah. basically that's how it's done. Yeah. I think I understand. And I think too, like the more experience you have with certain things, the more you can kind of gather, like, you can infer like with what, you know, and kind of what the person's saying and kind of gather what is going mm -hmm. on. So I think too, like having more quilty experience helps, but for yeah, noobs, like just watch the reel. It's fine. Right. <laughs> so, like, I don't know how to tell you this better, but no, I love that. That's so cool. Cause I think too, yeah. Like rulers, if you buy every single ruler out there, it's so expensive and there's so many oh. ways to do it less expensive, use what you have, like find hacks for things and you can do it without having to sp spend $50 on a new ruler every time you need one or think exactly. you need one. And especially yeah. if you have a small sewing room, like you don't have room for 50 rulers all over the place. Like yeah. 
they're heavy and they take up space and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have a lot of rulers, but the one, my bestie Jen got me the half square triangle, um, trimming ruler from creative grids and it Mm -hmm. is a triangle and it honestly helps a lot too. So um, it has like all the different markings for the different size finish sizes and like where to line it up if you want to, which way you're trimming it and a little angle on one of the corners. So you can line it up with the sides and trim off your, your little tags. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I have the flying geese version of that from creative. Oh, yeah. And that that's one I really awesome. like, and yeah. I liked that it had multiple sizes. Cause that's mm-hmm. really key for me. I don't want to buy something that really just does one thing. Yeah. Like I want to get the most bang for my buck. So I really liked that the flying yeast ruler had multiple sizes. Yeah. That one's really cool. I saw it. What was it? Oh, at the, at our local quilt shop or one of them, they were doing like a demo day and they were demonstrating that ruler. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the heck? This is so cool. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's nice for if you have to make a lot and you, cause you mm-hmm. do have to, you have to trim you're flying geese. That is like the one thing that you need to know about flying geese. Mm-hmm. You have to trim them up to size or they'll be all over the place. And who needs geese all over the place? Right. Not me. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that's a cool one. So if you do make a lot of flying geese, maybe that would be a cool investment, but yeah. Otherwise, if, yeah, if there's some ways to hack these different tools, like mm-hmm. to say that you shouldn't buy tools that you want or that you need, but if you're not interested in spending that money or you can't really get that kind of ruler where you're at, like just hack it Yeah. (laughs) or there's tons of stuff online, which sometimes can be daunting to, to, you know, try to filter through, but here's one hack that people won't have to filter through. We'll just give them a direct link and then they can use it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Um, I had one more question. What was it? Oh, what, what, um, test pattern was like your most challenging? Oh, what I guess that had like the most skills that you had to learn to do it. I think probably I did, uh, Wellspring designs company. She has the rhythms quilt that came out in January And that was probably the most technically difficult quilt that I've ever made. And I can't say that I knocked it out of the park by any means. There were, there's a lot of strip piecing involved in it, which is a skill that I, I can't say that I'm great at. Um, And it's curved piecing and it's like inset, inset strip pieced circles. And I got one. And then the other one's got kind of a weird bumpy situation happening <laughs> on it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so there was like, a lot going on. I mean, like, it's a beautiful quilt. And I definitely, sure. now that I've gone through the motions of doing it once, I'd love to do it again and hopefully have a little bit more success. Yeah. Especially with those inset circles. But that was definitely the most like technically <gasps> difficult pattern that I've taken on. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. But it sounds really cool. I haven't seen that one, but I'll go check it out. Cause that sounds really cool. Yeah. It was, I mean, I also did the, I always trick myself into thinking that doing the wall quilt pattern is going to be the easier one. Like, Oh, it's going to be easier. There's less pieces. It's smaller, but yeah. no, it's the same number of pieces 
it's just really tiny. It's just shrunken. It's just shrunken down. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes that can be a lot more difficult. It could be, you know, it'd be easier to do like the king. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, just do it. It's bigger piecing. It's not as like tricky to get all those small curves. Right. Yeah. Again, small curves. If I try it again. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just going to go big or go home. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just have to, because I think, yeah, you're, you're right. When it's shrunken down, it sometimes makes it worse. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yikes. What's your most satisfying make that you've ever made? I hand quilted a quilt for the first time um, when I was recovering from surgery and I couldn't like get to my sewing machine and I knew I was going to go stir crazy. So I decided, well, this is a great time to learn how to hand quilt. Yeah, sure. Um, but it was a ton of fun. And I, it was, uh, I did the straw flower quilt from Side Lake Stitch. Okay. I it's, haven't seen that one yet either. It's a bunch of stars, basically. Okay. It looks like it's, you know, it's very, it's a little bit more traditional looking and lots of stars. And then I um, did hand quilting that kind of accentuated those stars. And okay. It, it was a lot of fun. I had never hand quilted before. I learned so much about it. Like the first, I was trying to do it at first and I just used whatever needles were like kicking around in my kit. And yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Like it was so <laughs> hard to pull them through. I'm over here just struggling and like, you know, wrenching on these things. And my husband's just like, can I go buy something for you? That's going to make that easier because watching you do that is painful. Like, I, I just you know, can't. it's bad when, when someone else is like, um, are you doing that right? You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I reached out to a few people and I learned like what needles to buy. So I got oh, some clover gold eye needles and they went through a lot easier. So that was the first tip that I had learned. Um, and then I immediately like, cause I was wrenching on these so much. I of course like bled all over my quilt, like first thing. Sure. Naturally. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, shit, what do I do? Like, how do you get blood out of a quilt that you can't wash? Cause yeah. it's not together yet. Like you can't wash it. Yeah. Um, which is when I learned that if you spit on it and you uh-huh. rub it in, like it'll come right out. Yeah. So that's a great tip. You've never tried that. If you bleed on your quilt, definitely spit on it. It'll come right out. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've had to spit on clothing. Like, cause I used to have eczema super bad all over my hands and mm-hmm. they would like, my fingers would crack and bleed. And so when I was teaching, like, you know, I might, if I had like a spot really bad on my knuckle, like if I bent my finger too hard, it would like crack open, it would bleed and I'd get blood on my work clothes. And I would just like spit on it. And kids were like, what are you doing? I'm like, it actually gets blood out of your clothes. It's like yeah. fast. And they're like, Oh, and so, you know, teaching my kids practical skills while I'm teaching them math, that's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, also hydrogen peroxide. If you can like dab it with like a Q-tip or like a cotton ball, that'll actually help too. Cause it eats okay. away the the, um, like the biological material, like the, yeah. you know, anyway, I don't know what to call it, but whatever. yeah, <laughs> it's actually good for like, if you buy like the 7% concentration, if you use just like a quarter cup and a full load of laundry, it'll act like bleach without bleaching anything. Oh yeah. Great tip. Really cool Airbnb trick I learned for cleaning laundry. So <laughs> 
keeping the linens fresh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, there's, it's kind of, I was like really surprised at how well it worked and now I don't have to use bleach. So that's even better. Exactly. Cause if it gets on stuff, it's not going to suck the color out. Right. Won't ruin everything. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Oh, it's just extra clean now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. But, you know, it's like little things you learn and spit helps if you don't have hydrogen peroxide or stain remover, but yeah. Yeah. Cause I tried like one of those like Clorox to go pens or whatever they're called. Yeah to go pens oh so yeah I wouldn't recommend that no let's well, maybe <laughs> good get for, like, blood. coffee or like a yeah. food stain but not yeah yeah blood Mm-mm. body fluids not good no too intense <laughs> it's too intense for that thing yeah yeah have you ever used that um it's called grandma's I think grandma's spot stain remover I haven't, but I've heard it can get wine out. That stuff is bomb. It works so good. I've used that a bunch on like, if, um, even with color catchers, if like quilts bleed in the wash, I'll like rub that on it really good and then add more color catchers and that will get the bleeding out. So Ooh, that's good to know because mm-hmm. I made a quilt with a lot of like magenta that's going to bleed for sure. <laughs> and I'm so nervous about it. Like yeah. I, 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 it's just a top right now, but I'm afraid to even make it. Cause I'm like, it's fine where it is right now. I'm just going <laughs> to ruin it. Like, no, you won't ruin it. <laughs> Use like, peroxide. Color catchers in the world to save this thing. Like that dark. Oh no. I think it'll <laughs> be fine. I, we just did the, um, Elizabeth Hartman pretty birds pattern for a client. And mm-hmm. when we washed it, there were some dark magenta, like burgundies, like really rich kind of red pinks in some of the birds and they bled onto the background, but we just used that grandma's spot stain remover and some color catchers and we got it out and it like, it went through the backing too. So we were like oh. on both sides and it, it brought, it got it out. Okay. So it works. I will and keep that in mind. I'm also wondering though, if you did wash it with the hydrogen peroxide, like if that would help because it would take the staining Ow. out instead of letting it bleed into the other fabric. Yeah. Cause the, because the background is very light. Cause that's the thing mm-hmm. that I'm really nervous about. Like it's very bold magenta. And then the background is like a super, super light pink. Oh my God. That sounds so cute. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, what did I do? This is a terrible decision because it's going to be like a mess, but these tips, I think they might save me. But also it depends on the type of fabric too. Cause like I made, um, the mountain Valley pattern, um, Mm -hmm. running stitches, her pattern with like hot pinks and purple, and it didn't bleed at all. And I used century solids, the Andover solids, and it didn't bleed at all. So I think like the birds, it was a lot of like woven linens, kind of looser fabric. And so I'm almost wondering if that was why. And the only time I've really had trouble with like colors bleeding is if it's like not as nice, like quilting cotton, like cheaper kind of Joann's or Hobby Lobby kind of stuff that maybe isn't necessarily using the best high quality dyes and, and processes of, Mm -hmm. of manufacturing. So um, I don't know. 
might be worth we'll risking it <laughs> for the biscuit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. cross my fingers. Wish me luck. <laughs> I am. I'm wishing you luck because I really want it to work out because I want to see it because it sounds so cute. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I'm like pink. I love it. Give it to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely probably the pinkest thing I've ever made, but it was like deep in the middle of winter. And I was like, I need some serious happy right now. Mm-hmm. So, making the brightest quilt of my life. It's magenta, light pink, kind of creamsicle colors and yellows. And oh my gosh, the brightest thing I've ever made in my life. <laughs> How fun. Sounds like Barbie land. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely out of my comfort zone for color palette, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. How fun. Hopefully it doesn't bleed. I'm going to seriously cross my fingers and hopefully all these tips and tricks will help you if case it does bleed, but I don't think it will. I'm I'm just putting it out there right now. It's not going to, (laughs) you'll be fine. (laughs) I'll use that grandma spot remover if it does. Yes. Get it in a huge spray bottle. (laughs) We have it both ways. We have it in like a spray bottle for huge spots. And then we have like a little spot dabber so we can get like little tiny ones too. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I swear by it, it has worked in times when I was like, there's nothing that can save this and it's, it works. So it's worth investing. I think you can buy some futures and that stuff. All right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today. I've really loved getting to know you and chatting with you and this has been super fun yeah thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it yeah of course and so where can um our listeners find you online uh you can find me on instagram my handle is theme reverse society okay awesome I'll put that in the show notes as well so people can get to you and see all your cool stuff and good luck with the postcards and do you think you guys will do that again next year for like an earth day thing or is it just like a one-off? I don't know. I've, I've never done it before. And I guess we'll see how it goes. If it, if everything goes off without a hitch, then I don't see why not. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, that would be like such a fun thing to look forward to and have kind of out there in the universe of quilting for people to kind of think about. And maybe, you know, if they have that to look forward to, they can kind of accumulate scraps like, oh, I want to make a postcard that looks like this or whatever. I don't know. It might be exactly. something fun. It's like an old school, like pen pal kind of situation. Which yeah. Is- I love that. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks again. And hopefully we'll chat soon. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you.